Let's just turn to Acts chapter 2 and verse 32. Tongues, speaking in tongues, praying in tongues, the gift of tongues. This is one of the most argued points in the body of Christ. And it is one of the most strong tools and weapons that you have against the enemy. I mean, one of the strongest things that you have. And that's part of the reason why uh, the devil fights it so much is because he knows that somebody who starts to use the tool of tongues is going to step into another level and it's like their power against him is going to amplify beyond his control right he's going to lose power against you he doesn't really have any to begin with but you're going to go to another level in your fight against him in your ability to resist him and so in tongues one of the things that happens is he's kind of like this if that is such a great spiritual weapon then if I can talk the church out of using it, or I cannot allow them to see what it's really for, then he's done a great job. And so he fights it. Uh, the biggest, probably the biggest thing against tongues is just our comfort level. You know, it's, it's uncomfortable to our flesh. Tongues is generally uncomfortable to our flesh. And the reason is because you're talking about things that you don't fully understand. You're moving in things that a lot of times you don't fully have control of because you're allowing the Holy Spirit to do what He wants to do. You're flowing with the Holy Ghost. But it will not only put the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember the Holy Spirit Himself is God. And He will put the power of the Holy Spirit in you through the gift of tongues. But not only that, but through the gift of tongues, He will teach you how to flow in the power of God and how to flow in God Himself. And so that's why we want to look at it. And uh, one of the things that we're going to do is we're going to look at some just cool facts about tongues. Uh, we're going to look at some commands that the Bible lays out uh, that has something to do with tongues. We're going to look at the benefits of tongues. And then we're going to look at the public gift versus the prayer language. Okay, Because that is generally where most confusion comes. And then we're also going to look at the order of God. All right, what's in order, what's out of order. All right, so that's what we're going to look at tonight. And I'm going to go through it as quick as I can. And you got the notes so you can go back to it. But I think you're going to learn a lot. I know that your life will change because of what you hear tonight. But one of the things that happens is one of the most uncomfortable things and a lot of misinterpretation of the scriptures happens over tongues because most people don't understand that in very general terms, there's two types of tongues. You have the gift of tongues that is a public gift that is to be uh, applied here in a public setting. But then you have a prayer language. A lot of people will say a private prayer language, but the language itself doesn't necessarily have to be private. And so I don't like saying private prayer language. It's just your heavenly prayer language to pray out 
sing the mysteries of God and to pray to God privately, to pray to Him yourself. It's something where you can apply it and it's incredibly strong. And so what I want to do is let's just talk about some of the facts about tongues first and let's go over that. And at the end, I'm going to open it up for questions um, because it is one of those things that, that people have a lot of questions on. I will tell you what I'm about to teach you, I've never seen done in this degree of detail. But the Lord really opened some stuff up to me recently and I want to share it with you. Here's the other thing, uh, we're probably going to answer most of your questions before we get to the end, all right? And, uh, but if you still have a question, then I'll be happy uh, to sit and answer that. So let's just look at a few things first. Uh, cool fact number one, it's a cool fact. I was wondering, like, y'all got any joy or what? Are y'all live? You still there? Did the worship take you in such a place you can't even talk now? Amen. Amen. The Holy Spirit, cool fact number one, the Holy Spirit manifesting produces something that is seen and heard. So in Acts chapter 2, in verse 32 and 33, let, let's look at this. Acts chapter 2, verse 32. This Jesus, this is Peter preaching. He says, this Jesus God raised up again, to which we are all witnesses. In other words, they all saw this. Verse 33, therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God. He's talking about Jesus is exalted. And having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He has poured forth this which you both see and hear. Now most of us know that beginning in this chapter is where the Holy Spirit was first given in a baptism upon men after they were born again. So there's two different things, two different events that happened. First, Jesus walked into the upper room and said, receive ye the Holy Spirit. And in that moment, they were born again, but they were not baptized with the Holy Spirit. That didn't happen until Acts chapter 2. So they got born again uh, in that room when Jesus appeared to them, when he walked through the wall and appeared to them and he told Thomas, touch my hands, touch my side, and he breathed on them, receive ye the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, He sealed them and sealed them in eternal salvation. But then here, after that, He said, now I want you to wait for the promise of the Father. And He said, don't leave Jerusalem till that happens. So now He does that at the beginning of Acts chapter 2. And all of a sudden, there was, when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, there was a manifestation. Something happened. And the Bible goes on by the Holy Spirit's words and by His uh, leading. The Bible was written uh, by many men in this particular instance with Acts was <coughs> Dr. Luke. He was writing and he said this by the Holy Spirit's inspiration. He said, these things that you both see and hear were given because Jesus poured out the Holy Spirit. Now, what I, what I want you to get, this is such a simple thing, but when the Holy Spirit is poured out on a people, it produces a manifestation. It produces something you can see and something that you can hear. 
A lot of people, they want their relationship. You know, we were talking this morning about the cost. A lot of people want their relationship with Christ to be just all private. It's just between me and God. No, when you're actually operating in the things that God has for you, there are things that people will see and things that they will hear. In other words, it's not just private. Your relationship with Christ is public. And when the Holy Spirit moves on you, manifestations happen that other people can see and hear. And it's a deception in the church that everything that God does with you is supposed to be unseen. No, 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 no. The Holy Spirit brings about a boldness and a confidence that we walk in. We've counted the cost and we said, my reputation is not more important than the price that Jesus paid. And I walk in the manifestation of that Holy Spirit. Okay, So it's important for us to see people saw when they were filled with the Holy Spirit. People heard when they were filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the Holy Spirit which Jesus poured forth when he ascended on high. And these are the things which you do see and hear. Amen? So the first full, uh, cool fact is uh, that the Holy Spirit manifests and produces something seen and heard. Let's turn to Mark chapter 16 and verse 17. And because we're going to be looking at a lot of scripture, I'm going to just let them put it up on here. If you don't want to turn to it, you just want to write it down and go back to it later, that'll be fine. But Mark 16, verse 17 says this. These signs will accompany those who have believed in my name. Those who have believed in my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. You see, tongues is a sign. It's one of the things that will separate the people who believe and the people who don't. It's meant to be, by God, a sign. Well, I thought it was just for me. I thought it was just my private prayer language. No, it's meant to be a sign. It's meant to be a sign. I know that sounds simple, but how many people are not known by the signs? And yet, God, this is Jesus, this is red letters, these signs will accompany. See, the world needs to see that there's something different on believers. That they're carriers of something heavenly, something extraordinary, something supernatural. They're peculiar, they're peculiar people. They, the world needs to see that. You know the world is looking for answers, but because the church hasn't been walking in what God calls normal, they've overlooked the church as a source for their solution. Part of the reason is because the signs that God has given us, we hadn't walked in. Tongues are a sign. These signs will accompany those who believed. In my name, they'll cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. And there's other, other things. They'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, right? There's signs that we should be walking in on a regular basis. We're going to talk some more about that. And I'm going to show you some more signs. Another cool fact is this, is that there are, what I've already said, two different giftings. One is the public gift and one is a prayer language. 
And I'll just say this very quickly. The public gift is for a few people that the Holy Spirit has desired to give that gift to. And to other people, he gives other gifts, right? But it's kind of like this. If I got up and started playing the piano right now, you would recognize that I do not have a gift to play the piano nor sing. Not my gift, right? But yet... These guys get up here and they praise and worship and sing and it sounds often, awesome, their gift, often awesome, amen. It's their gift, not mine, right? If I ask them to come up here and preach and teach, they might be like, "Mm mm-mm, nah, not their gift, right? Maybe, might be. But there's different giftings that God gives, and it says, and we'll talk about this more, there's a gift of tongues that is for public demonstration. And then there's a gift of a prayer language that's for every believer. Okay, And that's where most of the confusion comes in about tongues. So another cool fact is that, uh, uh, let's go to 1 Corinthians 12, And seven is that the gift of tongues. Now, I want you to understand this. Most people call in 1 Corinthians 12 the spiritual gifts. And they are indeed gifts. Okay? They are gifts. But that is correct terminology and correct classification. But it's almost a smaller and lesser classification than what it really is. It's actually stronger than that. It's more than just a gift. It says here, this is 1 Corinthians 12, 7. It says, but the manifestation of the Spirit or of the Holy Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. So when he goes on, he's going to go on to say that the gift of tongues is one of those gifts, one of those manifestations. We have to understand that it's not just a gift. It is a side of the Holy Spirit himself. It is a character and nature of the Holy Spirit himself. It is the Holy Spirit manifesting himself, manifesting his character. Tongues, the gift of tongues in a public setting is the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, of his nature. He's saying, let me show you who I am. That's the gift of tongues. And all the other gifts that are listed there too. But in other words, for us to say, I don't want that gift in operation, is to say, Holy Spirit, I I like you, but I don't want this side of you. It's not just a gift, it's the Holy Spirit himself. All of a sudden, that, that puts it on a different classification. So sometimes we felt okay to say, I don't want this part. But here's what we're actually saying. God, I don't want this part of you. Yeah. Well, no wonder later on he says, don't forbid, because what he's saying is, you need every part of me that you can get. Right? All right, so a cool fact is that this, the gift of tongues is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. So uh, verse 7 it says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. In other words, every person that wants a, a gift of the Spirit can have one, and he's given one to every man. And the reason for the gifts is to profit everybody. Right? 
In other words, the gifts and the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, which is not just the gift of tongues, you have prophecy, you have uh, interpretation of tongues, you have discerning of spirits, you have all these different gifts, but they're given to profit the lives of every person in that body. That's why they're given. So for us to say, well, I have a gift, but I'm not going to move in it, means that I'm going to take away the profit from your life. I'm going to take away the addition that God wants to do. Should we have the right to say that or do that or tell God, no, I'm not going to do that? No, no, not at all. So he says, it's for everybody's profit. For to one is given the spirit by the Spirit, the word of wisdom, and to another, the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. Those are two different gifts, word of wisdom, word of knowledge. Another, faith by the same Spirit. And to another, the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of Spirit. And to another, diverse kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the selfsame Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. For some reason I put that in King James and I'm, I apologize in a sense. Uh, but I like King James so it's alright. So anyway he says the Spirit gives these gifts and it, I want you to notice something. This is the public gift of tongues. It's a manifestation of the Spirit but I also want you to notice that he says about this public gift the Spirit gives it as he wills. And that's going to be important because that will help us later on. Who gives the public gift of tongues? The Spirit does. He's the one who decides this needs to happen now. Okay? And then if you go on down in that same chapter, you'll see that another cool fact, tongues is supposed to play a role in the local church. So in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, it says, And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, the gifts of healings, helps, administration, and various kinds of tongues. This word church right here does not mean the whole body of Christ, the big church. This means the local church. Like in this, he's saying, in this church, in Boomerang, God has appointed apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, gifts of healing, helps, administration, various kinds of tongues. In other words, he's given us gifts. Amen? Now, now that we've talked about some of just the cool little facts about that, that's just kind of an introduction. Now let's look at some of the commands. Okay, so the first commands, uh, and let's look at this as Ephesians 5, 18 through 21. The first command is, uh, according to the Holy Spirit, one of the things that we need is to be filled with the Spirit. This is not a good idea. This is a command by God. All right. So he says this in Ephesians 5, 18, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, I want to tell you this is kind of like this. Um, if I told you you need water to live, right? What if I told you go home and drink water, right? 
Well, if you went home and you drank one cup of water and you felt better and then tomorrow you didn't drink water, you just drank water that one time, in a few days you're going to be feeling pretty bad and if you don't drink any more water, you're going to die. In other words, when I said drink water, I didn't mean just go home and have one cup, right? I meant go home and keep drinking water, make it a lifestyle, that's who you're supposed to be. That's exactly the same way that this verse is being said, is that be filled, don't just be filled once, be filled with the Spirit for the rest of your life. This is not a good idea, this is a command by God. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is a command. So if you are a Christian, or even if you're not a Christian, but God is drawing you, this command is to every believer, be filled with the Spirit. And continuously be filled. Don't just fill yourself up today and never do it again. Every day we ought to wake up and say, Jesus, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Baptize me fresh today in the Holy Ghost. This is a command. Okay, And so when we do that, we start walking at a different level. That's why, again, why the devil wants to fight this stuff is because you start walking, you start leveling up when you start walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And you start being able to walk with boldness and confidence and fear doesn't move you. And all of a sudden you become, he said in Acts chapter 1, that when you're filled with the Spirit, he said, you will be my witnesses. The devil wants to stop you from being the witness that you're called to be through Jesus. And how he does that is he gets you you to throw some of this stuff away and not pay attention to it or not have knowledge over it. But he says, keep being filled with the Spirit. Then it says, and I want you to see this, that when you're filled with the Spirit, here's some of the things that will happen. These are some symptoms of people when they're filled with the Spirit. Verse 19, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Have you ever been in church and all of a sudden God moves and you find yourself that afternoon or the next day just praising God in your house, just starting to sing a song? A song comes and it just overflows you. When you're filled with the Spirit, and you constantly are filled. You'll almost walk in that all the time. I found myself, and I want you to see it says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns, and even speaking to one another in spiritual songs. This can be singing and speaking in spiritual language. In other words, I, I've found myself going down the road before and just, praise you, Father. I'll, I'll just start singing a spiritual song to some tune. It doesn't matter what it is, but it just kind of overflows out of me because it's a symptom of being filled with the Spirit. I've noticed when I've walked in my life and I haven't been filled with the Spirit, that doesn't happen. But when I, when I go to being filled with the Spirit, start drinking of the Spirit every day and all the time, all of a sudden what happens and comes out of me is I start speaking in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and making melody in my heart. In the core of who I am, I start praising God all throughout the day and just singing and praying and praising Him. And then look, here's another symptom of being filled with the Spirit. Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. 
and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Subject yourself to one another. So see, when he commands us to be filled with the Spirit, what he's doing is he's empowering us, empowering us to live like Christ. And one of the major things that happens in tongues is that you give thanks. When you pray in tongues, the word, you're going to see it later, you give thanks well. And this is another symptom of being filled with the Spirit and praying in tongues is you are giving thanks. And that's why it says always giving thanks is a symptom of being filled with the Spirit. So the first command is be being filled, not just filled one time, but continuously be filled. Number two command, don't forbid tongues. 1 Corinthians 14, 39. Therefore, my brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak in tongues. That's just about as plain as you can get. Don't forbid. Now, I'll tell you through the years, I have had people come up and multiple times, multiple times through the years, and they're like, I don't like that tongue stuff and I don't want it around me. And I'm like, well, I can't, I'm not going to tell them to stop it. Why? Because one, if you understand tongues, they're praying out the perfect will of God, whether you understand it or not, and whether it's in your comfort zone or not. But this command right here tells me, don't forbid it. And I'm not going to. I, you know, I love you. But I like God a lot more, and I think that He has a better idea and a better control and wisdom going on than you do. I mean, that's just my personal opinion. You don't have to agree, but I'm trying to honor Him more than I'm trying to honor you or even myself, right? I also know that if I honor him, you'll be blessed through that too. Whether or not you're trying to or not, if you're just hanging around, the blessing of God will honor me for honoring him. And that'll bring some blessing to you too. So even if you disagree with me, the best thing I can do is follow him. And if he says, don't forbid to speak in tongues, then I can't forbid. All right. Another command. So command one, be filled with the spirit. Command two, don't forbid it. Command 3, Ephesians 6.18, pray at all times, how? In the Spirit. Pray at all times in the Spirit. This is not, hey, here's a good idea, guys. You might want to do this if you feel like it. That wasn't in there. It said, you, believer, church, pray at all times in the Spirit. Now, let me just ask you this. Are you going to be able to pray in the Spirit if you're not filled with the Spirit? Nope. No. So we got to be filled with the Spirit so now that we can complete this command to pray in the Spirit. And are you supposed to pray just when you feel like it? No, it says pray at all times in the Spirit. So this is a command. Pray at all times in the Spirit. There's a whole bunch of people praying in English that really need to be praying in the Spirit a lot more because stuff they're praying don't line up with the Word, but the prayer in the Spirit will line up with it. You see? It's very important. Now, here's what will happen, too. As you pray in the Spirit, what will come out in English will be psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, and you'll speak in English what is the will of God better than you did if you didn't pray in the Spirit. But the command is pray in the Spirit. At all times. 
So again, you combine that with don't forbid, and you know, we got a service going on. How is people going to pray in the Spirit at all times, and yet they can't pray in the Spirit in the service so people hear them? So there's something else going on besides that little bit of confusion. They have the ability to pray at all times. Anytime they want to, they can pray in the Spirit. Now, they can be wise about it and move in love. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, the other thing is this. Here's a command. Pray with this in view or pray with this in mind. This is really interesting. Let me just read this. It's uh, uh, same verse. Pray all, with all prayer and petition. Pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view... Be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. So then it goes on to pray a personal prayer uh, for Paul. Let me, let me, this is really interesting. So he's telling us not just to pray in the spirit, but pray with something in mind and on our heart as we pray. Okay. So when we pray in the spirit, have you ever been praying, um, Anybody ever been praying with the Spirit and all of a sudden somebody comes up to your heart or up to your mind? Yep. I can tell you that I pretty much have had that happen to almost everybody in here. And I'd just be praying, wasn't thinking about you at all. All of a sudden you come up to my mind. Right? What is that? The Holy Spirit, He has got me praying with you in view. With you in mind, right? And so a lot of times what happens is, uh, what Paul's saying is, when you pray, you might not know what you're saying, but in your heart and in your mind, you may know who it is you're praying about or what it is you're praying about with this in view or with this in mind. Sometimes, uh, and you can purpose yourself to do this. For example, one time... Uh, I had a situation going on and the Holy Spirit started speaking to me and uh, he showed me that there was going to be a problem about two weeks from now. Uh, I didn't know when the time was, but he, there was going to be a problem. And so I said, okay, what do I do about that problem? He said, pray in the Spirit. And so what I did was I purposed myself to pray in the Holy Ghost, to pray in the Spirit, but I had that problem in mind that God was going to solve it through my prayers. And so I just prayed in the Spirit and I prayed in the Spirit until I knew it was done. I didn't think about it anymore. If I thought about it any pass out, I'd just thank God for it. Thank you, Lord, for solving that problem, right? Well, about two weeks later, sure enough, that exact problem came up. I didn't know when it was coming up, but I knew who it was and I knew what it was. That's what he had told me. But that problem came up exactly like he said, but it went, uh, we, we had a conversation, me and somebody had a conversation about 30 minutes later it just basically fixed itself why because I had prayed the way that he had told me to pray I allowed the Holy Spirit to completely solve that issue before I ever got there but when I prayed I had that issue in mind and I was praying towards a solution how strong is that would you like for God to start solving your problems ahead of time pray in the spirit at all times with this in mind, now Paul's given them some specific things to pray over, but the Holy Spirit will drop in your heart what to pray over in the Spirit as well. And you can pray with certain things in mind, and you can follow the command of God and the command of the Holy Spirit. And even, even the pastor can say, all of you pray in the Spirit right now for healing to happen today. 
And we just start praying, and all of a sudden, we can pray with healing in mind, and healing will happen during that service because we purposed ourselves to pray out the perfect will of God. So now you're talking about a very good tool and a very good weapon against our enemy. All right. So, and then, so the command, be filled, don't forbid tongues, pray at all times in the Spirit, pray with something in mind. And then it says, and now you don't always, I will say you don't always have to know what you're praying about. And a matter of fact, you won't. But there are times where you can pray with something in mind and times where you should pray with something in mind. And then sometimes you'll pray and you won't know what it is. The mind, the word says the mind will be unfruitful in it. Another thing is this, 1 Corinthians 13, 1, all tongues must operate in love. All tongues must operate in love. It says, if I speak, 1 Corinthians 13, 1, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, talking about spiritual tongues, heavenly tongues, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. In other words, I'm, I'm just an irritating noise. So let me show you this. I'll use somebody who will let me. Come here, Rachel. So if I all of a sudden think that I'm just some kind of super spiritual whoop-de-doo, right? I just think I'm something. And I, I'm like, look at me, I done got filled with the Spirit. I'm going to go to church and share, show everybody how spiritual I am. And I'm like, glory, hallelujah. <laughs> am I doing that in love? No, it's pride trying to show how strong I am in the Spirit. It was hard for me to even pray in tongues and do that because it's so wrong. But you have a lot of people doing that at a church and then they wonder why one people don't come back two you have it why they're confused because love's not in that if I'm praying in the spirit a lot of times especially if it's just me you're not going to hear me but I'll tell you this I'm praying in the spirit all the time we'll be going down the road the other day we were going down the road and uh, I started praying in the spirit just kind of quietly to myself I didn't realize it was louder than what I thought and she goes what I was like oh I'm sorry I was just praying but I was just praying at all times in the spirit at all times but if I got to prove how holy and how godly I am by praying loud in the service and showing my spiritual really immaturity then that's wrong. That's not in love. And that's been a problem in the church. It's been an emotional badge that people have put on to show that they're more holy than somebody else. Who cares how holy you are? Live it. Walk it. You're actually showing how unholy you are. You don't have to prove that. Listen, you, you try to be your own promoter, you're going to get out of line anyway. God's the promoter. Remember what we've been talking about in the cost? Go sit at the back seats and not the seat of honor and let the Holy Ghost bring you to the place of honor. In other words, I, the proof will be in the power and demonstration that I bring. But if I'm just sitting here trying to pray out loud so everybody can hear me, then that's doing it the exact wrong way. It needs to be in love. I need to consider other people when I'm praying in the Holy Spirit. 
I need to consider other people all the time, whether I'm praying in the Holy Spirit or not. But we need to consider others and walk in love. Thank you for letting me yell in your ear. All tongues must operate through love. And the last command, 1 Corinthians 14, 1, says this. Now, this verse says, Pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Now, it's talking about prophecy here, but I'm going to show you how this also is talking about tongues. I'm going to show you how that is. But he's telling that with every spiritual gift, you pursue love, and a part of pursuing love is desire or covet spiritual gifts. Covet the best gifts is what the King James says. Desire them. Pursue them. And I'm telling you the gift of tongues, I'll show you this to you in a minute, is the gift of tongues, you are to covet and desire it. Not just the gift, the public gift, but also to grow in your ability uh, to, with your prayer language, the gift of tongues in your prayer language. Now let's look at the benefits of tongues. Okay, The benefits of tongues, John 7, verse 37 through 39... A benefit of tongues, number one, is life. Now, when, when God talks about life and he talks about uh, the fullness of life, he's not just talking about you keep on living. He's talking about life to the full till it overflows. He's talking about overflowing life. That's who Jesus is. Life flows from the Holy Spirit. And so it says here, in the last day, in that, in that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. An overflow that does not stop of the life of Jesus Christ. But then he goes on to say, But this he spake of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. So in other words, through the Holy Spirit, rivers of living water would flow out of them. And I'm going to show you in a minute how to start that river to churning. Any moment you want to, you can start that river to flowing. Matter of fact, when we pray that people be baptized in the Holy Ghost and that they are filled, one of the first things is, it says out of their belly will flow rivers. Something will start to happen a lot of times, right? They'll feel it in their stomach. It'll start to ripple. And they're like, I don't know what's happening, but I can feel it. And that Holy Ghost will start to flow in there so much so that their physical body starts to respond to what's happening spiritually. And all of a sudden and over, who's ever felt that? There you go. See, everybody pretty much that's been filled with the Spirit has felt that overflow and those rivers start to churn. All right. And if you haven't felt that, you can. And it's something God wants to give you. It's a life overflowing. All right. So first benefit is life flows from the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Number two, praying in tongues builds you up. It builds you up. It strengthens you. Jude one twenty says, But you, beloved, 
building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Praying in the Holy Spirit builds you up on your most holy faith. In other words, when I pray in the Holy Spirit, can you see why now God said don't forbid it? Because if it's going to build up every beloved believer, then why in the world would I stop it? Because if all of us can stand up right now and we can start praying in the Holy Ghost and we start praying and moving in the Holy Ghost, what happens? Every one of us start to be built up. Whether we have interpretation or not, this is what happens. Every one of us start to be strengthened. That word there is strengthened, to, to support. It builds us up. Have you ever been going through something in life and you just need the strength right in the middle of it? Tongues is a part of your answer for that. You build yourself up. Have you ever wanted to have more faith? Building yourself up on the most holy faith. Tongues helps to build your faith and strengthen your faith. It's a way. That's why a lot of times when I'm ministering to people and I'm believing God to do something, as I'm going from person to person, I'm praying in the Spirit. Why? Because I'm building myself up on the most holy faith right there so that when I get to that person and I lay hands on them, I'm releasing that faith. To, to manifest the goodness of God. That, that prayer right there, I'll just tell you, that prayer right there is not for the person. That prayer is for me, building myself up on the most holy faith. Now, I can also pray for that person. I can pray for a group in tongues. There's a bunch of things. But that one right there is me praying for me. I'm building myself up so that I may be an adequate minister of God's goodness and release His grace. Release that. All right? Okay, now, so benefits, life flows. Number two, praying in the Spirit builds you up. Number three, praying in the Spirit helps our weaknesses. Romans 8, 26 through 28. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. Glory to God. Anybody in here got a weakness besides me? All right. Then we need this, correct? <laughs> the Spirit helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should. Has anybody ever felt like, I need help? I don't even know what to pray. Anybody beside me? That's where praying in tongues comes in line. Because sometimes you get in a situation, you don't even know what's going on. I don't even know what the, God, help, help me, <laughs> right? Help, that's a great prayer. And see, when we, here's the thing, when we pray in the Spirit, we can pray the perfect will of God for that situation. The perfect will of God for that situation because He helps our weakness when we don't even know what to pray. Because, you know, in the Spirit, a lot of times in the Spirit, there have been things that we didn't see. We couldn't see that demon attacking that body. You know, we couldn't see the trap that the devil set up. We couldn't see if it was demonic or our flesh. We couldn't see those things, right? We couldn't see each one of those things. And yet God can see them. He knows what's happening. He knows what's going on. And if we knew what, if we could see that, then all of a sudden we could pray against it. But because we can't see it, we don't even know what to pray. Praying in the Spirit handles that. 
It clarifies it. All of a sudden, he says, In the same way the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself, the Spirit himself, in other words, the Holy Spirit himself starts interceding for us. He starts praying. See, when I pray in the Spirit, I allow the Holy Spirit, God himself, to start praying on my behalf or somebody else's. Woo-wee. I need that. I also want to say woo-wee. I need the Holy Spirit praying for me. I need Jesus interceding. He says the Spirit himself intercedes with us with groanings too deep for words. There are some things that God wants to say and do and listen, pray on your behalf that English words can't even describe. Now this is a key right here. Because sometimes everybody wants interpretation, but we're going to talk about what is interpretation and what isn't interpretation. But this scripture right here tells us there's some things you pray in the Spirit, words can't even touch. So how are you going to interpret it? That shows the difference between a public gift and a private, or a public and a prayer language that's personal. You see? But he says there's groanings. They, they go beyond words. There's stuff that, that words can't touch. All right. I just set some people free. I can feel it. Amen. He says, And the Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because He intercedes, intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. In other words, the Holy Spirit searches the heart of God. He searches our hearts. He knows what the discrepancy is between the two and He makes up the difference when we pray in the Spirit. Wow. Amen. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit, what we're lacking in prayer, He makes it up by prayer in tongues. No wonder the devil don't like this thing. Because when we pray in the Spirit, we start praying out the perfect will of God on earth as it is in heaven. Perfectly. Because, see, in our corrupted mind and our corrupted state with this corrupted flesh, our teaching, our training, our thinking, it's off a lot of times. But then we start praying in the Spirit and all that goes away because we're allowing the perfect God, the perfect manifestation of God, the prayer of the Holy Ghost to start coming through us in our authority that God's given us in our place on the earth where we have a mission. And all of a sudden, it's just like God himself stepped into earth and started commanding things and praying things in your life and in the lives of people around you. How'd you like God to do that in your household? That's praying in the Spirit. Woo. Jesus is my friend, and I like it. He's good. That's what I was thinking. 
Jesus is my friend. That's the Christian Rickrolled. <laughs> and he who searches the hearts and the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Now look, verse 28, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. To those who are called according to His purpose. you know how many people like to quote that verse? But do you know what that verse is attached to? Praying in the Spirit. Don't be trying to quote some verse if you ain't going to get all of it. That verse is attached to praying in the Spirit and letting the Holy Spirit pray through you. That's how all things work together for good. That's how they all work out. Praying in the Spirit. <laughs> I know, that's good. Man. Benefits. It gives us life. It builds us up. He helps our weaknesses by praying in the Spirit. Perfect prayers. We pray for ourselves and others. Praying in the Spirit, we can pray for ourselves and others. Ephesians 6, 18 through 20, we've read this already, but now let me read it to you in whole. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit with this in view or with this in mind. Be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. In other words, when we pray in the Spirit, it's not supposed to just be for us all the time, but we are able to pray for other people in the Spirit and persevere on their behalf because we are supposed to be family and to be able to lift each other up. Don't you want somebody praying for you but not praying some worldly corrupted prayer but praying the perfect will of God? Man, I want that. I want that. So then he says this. He says... Paul says to that church, And pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. In other words, Paul's saying, Pray with me in mind, pray with me in view of your prayers, that I may speak what I should speak, that I can take the good news and where it's a mystery to some people, I can make it clear. Right? So in other words, I'm able now to help ministry happen. I'm able to strengthen people. Here's the other thing he says. For I'm an ambassador in chains, that is, proclaiming it, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. The Holy Spirit is given for a boldness and a confidence to be the witnesses. And when we pray in the Spirit, we start moving into the place where God can use us better and we can strengthen other believers to be and walk in that boldness, to minister in that boldness. So we have not only perfect prayers for ourselves by praying in the Spirit, but we start having perfect prayers for others as well. How many people would like to pray for your family members and pray it just right? Yeah. yeah, man, me. You know why? Because we've missed it. We've missed those prayers before and said the wrong things. Here's the other thing, 2 Timothy 1.6, another benefit. Praying in the Spirit fans the flames of God's fire and boldness in you. 
It says this, For this reason I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and of love and of discipline. A lot of people want to use that verse. God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. But do you know what it's attached to? Praying in the Holy Ghost. Because the gift that was given by the laying on of hands was the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he's telling him and that he can pray. See, our, our public gift is as the Spirit wills, but our prayer language that's personal is as you will. You can pray it at any time. And Paul's saying, when you receive, you're going to see time after time when somebody was filled with the Spirit, it happened through the laying on of hands. And then next thing that happens is they start speaking and praying in the Holy Ghost, right? They start praying in tongues. He's saying, when you receive that gift by the laying on of the hands and the Holy Spirit filled you and overflowed you, he said, now fan the flames. In other words, Kick the heat back up. Stir the coals of the fire of God. And how do you do that? You apply what happened when you had hands laid on you. You start to pray in the Holy Ghost. In other words, have you ever been camping and you go to sleep and you wake up the next morning and it's like the the coals, they're all about out. Maybe barely one of them's got a little bit of heat to it. You can even touch the outside. But if you start blowing some Holy Ghost air on those flames, even the coldest of coals, if it's got any life in it whatsoever, it'll start kicking back heat. All of a sudden you get some oxygen to it, it'll start coming alive again. And before you know it, you take a few little tender branches that are ready to be caught on fire and you'll have a roaring fire again in just a few minutes from the coals that were left. He's saying there's many times we'll go through life and we feel like we're about out of flame and out of fire but if you'll pray in the Holy Ghost if you will kindle the flames again by the gift that was given to you when you had hands laid on you you can fan the flames of those coals and kick the fire back on in God you can turn that fire back on and set it to a roaring blaze but it comes by praying in the Holy Ghost now if we're supposed to be hot for God We should be doing that all the time. We should should be driving down the road, praying in the Holy Ghost, and in the flames, stoking the fire. Stirring the flames, fanning the flames. You see, I can be praying that right now and it's, and it's doing it to me. I can also be praying it and, and you start to feel that. I start praying, you start feeling it. One day I was, I was preaching, it was in an old building. And I was sitting up there and we were done. And, and the Holy Ghost said, I want you to pray in tongues. Well, we had somebody that was pretty much like a guest that day. And I didn't feel like praying in tongues because I thought they might think I was crazy. And I wanted them to come back. Right? <laughs> Y'all never been there, but I have a lot, right? And so anyway, I wanted them to come back. And I was like, I, you know, I didn't argue with God, but I thought it. I was like, I don't want to pray in tongues. Preacher, I don't want to. But I I thought, you know what? He told me, I'm not my own. I'm bought with a price. I also know the power of praying in the Holy Ghost. So I said, okay. And so I got done, and I started slow, but I got there. 
The power touched him. See, I was praying in the Holy Spirit. Well, what I was doing was I was fanning the flames. And over here, all of a sudden, God was going, and that power came on inside of his life. See, we can pray for ourselves. We can pray for other people. But we start praying in the Holy Spirit. We start rebuking the spirit of fear. We start receiving a spirit of power. A spirit of love and a sound mind. It starts blowing the, the wind of the Holy Ghost across those coals and starts stoking. Well, what if we prayed in the Spirit at all times? What would we be? We would be a burning fire, blazing fire, catching everybody on fire by praying in the Holy Ghost. Can you feel it? Amen. Amen. Sotanamiko Dorobosbe. Come here, David. Hurry up, George. <laughs> You're good. You don't have to hurry. You stir up the fire and the gift, fire of God, fire of God. You can come on. The joy of the Lord be joy, 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 joy. He's your friend. Joy, joy, fire of God. Fire of God, be in the name of Jesus. Fire, fire, be. Macho to vretene. Bonjour, to be. Dear me, Holy Spirit service. <laughs> Holy Spirit service. Yeah, that's okay. Fire of God, be in Jesus' name. Fire. Fire of God. Leombe. Dodrama. Fire. Be in Jesus' name. Fire of God. Be. Last Oma Breke. Bebo Kuramasta. Fire. Be in the name of Jesus. This Dodrama. Ben the Bukaletine. Ben Sto. Mancha Bebe Tuberaboso. Foya Beste. Mancha Kuda Be Antanamo. Glory, glory, glory. Fire of God. Thank you, Father. Biname bebe studuma, talata padianto como. Tutremos me. I think you'll understand more of even what's going on as we actually get to the end of this. Sutinemi kudubova, biedamasabo, binamestebe. Fire of God be in Jesus' name. Hungry for the fire. She's hungry for the fire of God. Hungry. Yeah, Lord, burn out anything and everything that's not of you. 
in the name of Jesus. Borastini, beste most palani, cana mosto. Bondre bestini, yeche nitidi, obre minka, obre minka dare bisti. Painda balo potero boso, bobo bombo. Banshi be te beast, Banshi of lakanama. <laughs> it's like a Holy Ghost machine gun happened up here. Go to my Yaturabosabi. What's a machine gun sound like? <laughs> the joy of the Lord is your strength. 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 The joy of the Lord. Not your bitterness, not your hard heart. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy, not you holding on to the flesh. The joy of the Lord is your strength. I want to teach something uh, and I want to tell you about it is that God's power is bigger. A lot of times when you get prayer... This is a good break. A lot of times when you get prayer, what we do is we're like trying to control. We don't realize we're doing it. For years, I had no idea what was going on. But I, I finally figured out I was resisting God. And I wasn't trying to resist God. I thought I was trying to get more of them. But I would be like, ooh, like trying to stand there to stand all of the power of God. And somebody's praying over me. I'm just like trying to hold on. When we submit to God, like the power of God is bigger than you. It's bigger than you, right? It, it, the power of God is bigger than you. You are not going to be able to withstand it. So don't even try. Just don't, don't try. All you do is resist what you really want. What will really help you, you resist it. So don't try. What you want to do is just come up and be like, all right, Lord, and it doesn't matter if you feel anything. That makes no difference. Most time, if you'll learn what I'm telling you, you'll feel more physically because it'll happen bigger spiritually. If you'll come up and you'll not just try to be like, I'm going to stand up no matter what. I can do it. I'm a strong, big Christian. Look, a big Christian is humble. And a big Christian says, okay, Jesus, you know, and, and lay out. Who cares, you know? But, you know, just we're going to have catchers in play, but... Submit. There's something about submitting your body. There's something about submitting your flesh. And when we're standing there trying to hold it all in, that ain't going to work. All you're going to do is be right here in your head while the Holy Spirit's trying to put something right here in your heart, in your spirit. Lord, yeah, bless me. The biggest blessing I ever had in my life. I didn't feel anything until I hit the ground. Right. And that's when the power got poured out on me. Right. And a lot of times that's what will happen. We're sitting there and we're trying to resist and we're trying to show how big we are. And all God wants to do is touch you. When he touches you, he's bigger than that. And the other day I was talking, Deb came up for prayer. I said, he's bigger than you. And that's all I knew to say. And I said, don't even resist it. Just flow with it. And she went, boom. And God hit her and touched her. And it was awesome. That Right. And that was happening with 
several people. And it's just, we've got to learn how to receive from the Lord. I can remember one time I was, I was sitting there with Dr. Rodney, and he was, this was about four or five years ago, and he was praying over me, and I was like, I just want to stand there as long as I can and, and suck all the, the anointing I can out of them. And that's what I was thinking. I was trying to do it right. And he was like, stop, you're resisting. I'm like, I'm not trying to resist, you know, but I was. And finally, I figured it out. I finally figured out what he was talking about. Just let it go. Well, the next time he was praying for me and he just went like that. And I went and, and I didn't feel anything. But when he did that, I became like a sponge, just receptive. I literally came off my feet and went back like this. And when I hit the ground, man, God just started moving in me and, and I'm just flowing with him because I, was, I wasn't trying to resist anymore. I was just trying to receive, just receive. God's bigger than you. You're not going to be able to contain it in your brain and in your heart. Let him be bigger than you. Let him be the one who will crunch you. Let him be the one who will do with you what he wants. Let yourself be molded and shaped by him in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Benefits of tongues. It fans the flames of God's fire and boldness in you. The last thing, the last little benefit, there's probably a bunch more, but these are just the ones listed. Tongues causes you to give thanks well. You give thanks well when you pray in the Spirit, when you pray in tongues. 1 Corinthians 14, 16 and 17 says, Otherwise, if you bless in the Spirit only, it's talking about either praying in the Spirit and having interpretation. It says, How will the one who fills the place of the ungifted, the ungifted, Say the amen at your giving of thanks, since he does not know what you're saying. For you are giving thanks well enough. So forget about the ungifted and the interpretation part. Take that out of it and just see what it's saying about praying in the Spirit. When you pray in the Spirit, even without interpretation, you're giving thanks well enough. That's the Holy Spirit saying that you're giving good thanks. Have you ever wanted to give thanks to God properly? Yeah. yeah, man, me too. Then when you pray in the Spirit, that's what happens. Colossians 3.16, again, you'll find these words are similar. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another and with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. There's something that happens when you pray in tongues. You just start to thank God. If you remember from a few months ago, I did a teaching on thankfulness. Maybe it was a Holy Spirit service not too long ago. And we were seeing that thankfulness was the key to you receiving every promise of God. In every prayer, in every promise, thankfulness is supposed to go along with it. Well, if I'm praying in tongues, guess what I'm doing? Giving thanks well. Glory to God. It helps me get right in the right place and have the right heart. Now let's talk about the public gift versus the prayer language. This is where confusion comes in. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians 14. 
Not a bunch of Holy Ghost drunks over there. That's a good thing. 1 Corinthians 14. Only the people that don't understand spiritual things would think that that's weird. 1 Corinthians 14. It says, Pursue love, desire earnestly spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Now, it tells you here to desire earnestly spiritual gifts. In the King James, it says, covet those gifts. In other words, go after them. Desire them. Ask for them. Pray for those gifts, right? Pray for those manifestations of the Spirit. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues, interpretation of tongues. Desire them. Go after them. Covet them. It's the one time where God says it's okay for you to covet but especially that you may prophesy. Now he's telling you that we are all supposed to prophesy, but we're supposed to walk in this gift of prophecy because it has a great benefit. It edifies and builds up the church. It brings a profit to everybody. But he says, For the one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. So when we speak in tongues, we speak out mysteries. But I want you to see here that he's going to go and he's going to flip back and forth between the public gift of tongues and the praying in tongues in our personal language, our personal prayer language. He kind of goes back and forth and you can, tell by, uh, you can tell by the context which one he's talking about. And so just follow with me here. This, this chapter is one of the most misunderstood on this, but it, act, it actually shows us a lot of great things about tongues. The first thing is uh, that for one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. So when you pray in a tongue, now well, you're going to see in a minute that the public gift of tongues, it's not to God. It's to men. That's why it needs interpretation, because you're speaking to somebody and they're not going to be able to understand. Their spirit will still, their spirit will understand. They're, they will be built up and edified, but their mind will be unfruitful. So in the public gift, I'm speaking more to the person. And that's what the public gift is for, is to edify and build up and have understanding. The public gift is to people. But when I pray in the Holy Spirit, in my personal language, what does the word say I'm praying to? To God. One time Brother Hagen, and that's how you can tell, is he talking about the public gift right there? Or is he talking about the personal prayer language? The personal prayer language, right? One time, Brother Hagin was ministering, and somebody said, Well, Brother Hagin, you prayed in tongues. Why didn't you interpret? He said, I wasn't talking to you. I was talking to God. They probably thought he was being smart. He was quoting scripture. I wasn't talking to you. If I was talking to you, I'd have needed to interpret. But I wasn't talking to you. I was talking to God. All right. For one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands. So, do you have a right to pray in the Spirit and talk to God? 
Yeah, that's awesome. That's a good thing. You're praying out the mysteries. You're talking to the Lord about the mysteries from your spirit, which has a much bigger capacity than your brain physically can wrap itself around. Your spirit's a lot bigger than what your brain feels comfortable with right now. <laughs> your, your brain, it don't know what to do with your spirit. <laughs> your brain's like, I don't, yeah, that, that spirit's got a high capacity. Think about this. I've heard this question multiple times. Think about the capacity of a person's spirit. I think it's Tracy Harris talking about this. How many demons were in that demoniac at the Gadarenes? Legion. Over 2,000 demons possessed that man's spirit. In other words, that man's spirit was able to hold 2,000 demons. What's the capacity of your spirit? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a tongue that that's, that only needs it, it's groanings too deep for words. <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs> Joy of the Lord is your strength. Christianity's fun, y'all. Don't, don't, don't get sold on, on the fact, the wrong fact, that you got to be a stick in the mud if you're a Christian. That is not it. Christianity is fun. Jesus is your friend. It keeps coming back. <laughs> in his spirit, he speaks mysteries. But one who that's a hey, I, if she lasts all night, that's going to be good for her. So y'all just pay attention here. You're good. And you see, this is another thing we're going to hit on in a second, is what is order? What's order? What's the order of God? Well, the order of God tells me that the joy of the Lord is my strength. That's the joy of the Lord. What's happening right now? Strength is building. Strength is building. Things are breaking off. Which is better for us to have a stick in the mud service and everybody walks out of here like, oh, that was a long service. Or we have the strength of God that comes on somebody and sets them free. Yeah. See, that can be all of us if we start getting into the joy of the Lord. Which is, which is more ordered? Somebody comes free or we just do something religious? That's the order of God. And it might not make sense to your uh, corrupted brain, but it's the order of God. That's us growing in spiritual things and being able to handle them properly. <laughs> but one who prophesies speaks to men for edification and exhortation and consolation. So edification is to build up. Exhortation uh, is to, um, what I write down here? Encourage and consolation is comfort. So prophecy builds up, 
encourages, you got this, you can do this, you can walk out this Christian life, you can forgive, you can have mercy, you can go and be somebody for God. It's an encouragement and it's consolation, it's comfort. That's what prophecy does, right? The gift of prophecy. He says, but one who prophesies speaks to men for edification and exhortation and consolation. But one who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. But one who prophesies edifies the church. So now we look at that and we're like, well, he's just edifying himself. Well, is that a bad thing? If it was a bad thing, God would have never given it. It's just showing you the difference between the two and there's a time for one and there's a time for the other. And the one who speaks in a tongue, he's edifying himself. He's having a conversation between him and God and he's drawing on God and God is building him up and strengthening him and he's being edified, right? That's a great thing. We need more people edified in the kingdom of God. Trust me, all of us need to be built up more. But a lot of times in a false humility we've said, well, you should be prophesying because that edifies more people. No, you should be doing whatever the Holy Spirit leads you to do at that moment. That's what we should be doing. Sometimes it's for an individual. Sometimes it's for the whole church. But if I'm, if I'm going to pray in the gift of tongues, which is the public gift, that's edifying the whole church. That's edifying the whole church. That's edifying the whole church if I pray in tongues as a public gift with interpretation. It's just like prophecy, which I'm about to show you. It says, Now I wish that you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. And greater is one who prophesies than one who speaks in tongues. Now wait a minute. Greater is one who prophesies than him who speaks in tongues. Now is there a period right there? No, there's a comma, right? That sentence is not over. <laughs> it's like when you go fishing and there's a fish that keeps trying to get out of the boat and he's just laying. For <laughs> <laughs> he said, but see, there's a comment there. It says, unless he interprets. Greater is the one who prophesies than one who speaks in tongues unless... He interprets. So what he's saying here, when he says unless he interprets, he's saying that the gift of tongues is equal to prophecy if there's interpretation. If there's not interpretation, then he's just edifying himself and he should keep silent in a public setting. In other words, he can still pray in tongues to himself and to God. He can still give thanks well. He can even do it out loud. He just doesn't need to get up in front and act like he's operating in the gift unless, unless there's also an interpretation. Does that make sense? But he's saying that the gift of tongues with interpretation does the same thing as prophecy. Then it edifies the church. So read that again with that understanding. Now I wish that you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. 
And greater is one who prophesies than one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets so that the church may receive edifying. So if he has interpretation with the tongues, the church will receive edifying, and so does prophecy edify. So he equates them. Tongues and interpretation equals prophecies. Now look at the beginning of that same verse, though, and what does it say? Paul's saying, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we know that in 1 Corinthians 12, only a few get the gift, the public gift of tongues. But what does Paul say at the beginning of this verse? I wish that you all prayed in tongues. Well, how's that possible if only a few are going to get the gift? It's because the gift of tongues and praying in tongues is available to everyone, everyone, but the gift is the thing that's given to only a few. See that? He says, But now, brethren, I come to you speaking in tongues. What will I profit you unless I speak to you, either by way of revelation or of knowledge or of prophecy or of teaching? Now, I want you to see something right here, because this, this verse right here is huge. So, how should, how should, what should interpretation of tongues look like in the church? Do we need to say, you know, and this is the interpretation? Is that necessary? But haven't we kind of made it that way? Like, we're like, we have to announce interpretation. All right, somebody has the a gift of tongues. And then somebody goes, all right, where's the interpretation? That's what we've done, sort of, right? Most people have seen it done that way. Where does it say that we're supposed to do that? It just says, let there be an interpretation. What does interpretation look like? What does it, what does it look like? Does interpretation have to be announced? No. So in other words, I could have interpretation in... In other words, let's say I had interpretation. Let's say that I spoke a word in tongues, and that word in tongues, the interpretation is God is good. As long as at some time in the future in that service I say God is good, effectively, don't we have interpretation? Do I have to announce it? Do I have to have it right after I do that? Not necessarily. Now, it helps people if that happens that way, right? And if I'm looking to love on people, then I can help them in that way. But is it necessary? No, that's not laid out in Scripture. That's not laid out. Matter of fact, I want you to see something that I've never heard of before now, but I want you to see this. This is something that the Lord showed me. He says, But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking in tongues, what will it profit you unless I speak to you either by way of... This is the interpretation. Here's the ways that interpretation can come. Revelation. Interpretation can be revelation. Interpretation can be knowledge. In other words, I can show you, like right now, I could have prayed in tongues earlier, and right now what's happening is I'm giving you the revelation. 
That could be the interpretation of a tongue that I prayed earlier. You're starting to, the things of God are being revealed. Another thing is knowledge. I could pray in the tongues and then I could have a gift of knowledge. Or I could just have some knowledge. Hey, you're going to get a sale this week and I know it. You know, that could be a prophecy. That's one of the next things. Knowledge or prophecy. You're going to get a house sale this week. Glory to God. Amen. Right? That's prophecy. Or it could be knowledge. You've been having an issue with this this week, haven't you? And what am I doing? That's the interpretation of the tongues. Did I have to announce it as interpretation? No. And can interpretation, does it have to be, Thus saith the Lord. No. It doesn't have to be that at all. It says... How will you profit unless I speak to you either by way of revelation or of knowledge or prophecy or of teaching? In other words, I can stand up here and have a gift of tongues in a public thing and I'm, I'm praying and then the interpretation is what I come in here and teach. And then the Lord gives me Holy Spirit inspiration and power on that teaching to help bring that revelation to you. And that's interpretation. Now it's profiting you what was spoken in tongues. So one time, let me give you an example of this. One time I was praying in the Spirit before a service. I didn't know what I was praying. I just was praying in the Holy Ghost and then I said a statement that I just found familiar. I didn't know why. I couldn't remember where I knew that phrase from or anything <laughs> welcome back <laughs> I think you're still you're still out there that's good glory to God <laughs> hallelujah <laughs> so all of a sudden I, I prayed something in the spirit that was familiar I didn't know where I knew it from I just knew that I was aware of it before. Then all of a sudden the pastor gets up. This was before the service. He gets up and he starts preaching. And in the middle of his preaching, he says that statement. And then I remembered where I knew it from and everything. But what I didn't understand was I was praying in the spirit what the service was going to be. Then he got up in his preaching and interpreted what I had been praying in the spirit. That was pretty cool. I didn't, I, I just thought that, I was like, man, that was pretty awesome. He was preaching the interpretation. So interpretation can come a bunch of different ways. We have limited it to be, thus saith the Lord, and here's the interpretation. We've limited that. We've, to try and fit it in our brain. But here in the Word, if we'll just go in the Word, it'll set us free, if we'll continue in it. And it shows us that interpretation can come multiple ways. He says, he says this, Yet even lifeless things, either flute or harp, in producing a sound, if they do not produce a distinction in the tones, how will it be known what is played or on the flute or on the harp? For if the bugle produces an indistinct sound, who will prepare himself for battle? So also you, un Unless you utter by the tongue speech that is clear, or that's speech that people understand, speech that is clear, 
How will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. Now that doesn't mean that it will be unprofitable. It just means that other people won't profit from it. You will profit from it. The power of God can still be released. But it's just not going to profit people with understanding. Okay? Then it says, verse 10, There are perhaps a great many kinds of languages in the world, and no kind is without meaning. If then I do not know the meaning of a language, I will be to the one who speaks a barbarian, and the one who speaks will be a barbarian to me. So also you, since you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek to abound for the edification of the church. So when you're going after gifts, remember to go after gifts that will edify the church, edify the body. All right. But therefore, let one who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. But that doesn't have to be, thus saith the Lord, or here's the interpretation. It can come in a number of different ways. Interpretation can be different than just a phrase after tongues. It can be by teaching or prophecy or knowledge. It can be by revelation like what we talked about before. It can come in the preaching. Now, I want you to see something. You see where it talked about a barbarian? It says ones that don't know a language. Can you... Ladies... Have you ever heard, you know, we have languages in the world called romance languages, right? What are some of the romance languages? Italian, Italian French. French, huh? <laughs> Spanish. My wife said chocolate. I understand. <laughs> you got some attention. You got some amens. All right. So here, let me... But have you ever heard one of those romance languages be spoken and like, ooh, gets your attention? I'm not talking to the guys, Chris. <laughs> All of a sudden, they speak one of the romance languages. You don't even know what they said, but whatever they said, you liked it. Right? Something was imparted even though you don't understand. Is that right? Can that happen? Yes, yeah, all right, well, to somebody who doesn't understand tongues, their mind can be unfruitful, and it's not really going to profit their mind, but things can still be imparted. And for people that might not understand tongues, but they understand what tongues does, like for instance, it prays, it helps us in our weaknesses and it strengthens us and builds us up, right? If we understand, if all of us come together and we all are in tongues, I can pray in tongues over you and you can know that I'm praying out the perfect will of God. And you're, you may be at a maturity point in spiritual things where you understand, I don't have to know what's said. All right? Watch. Keep that in mind, and let's watch this. He says, Therefore, let one who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. Which is the real you? The spirit man 
or the flesh or the mind? The spirit man. So the real me is praying even if my mind doesn't understand. And that's okay. Once you learn about praying in tongues, you start to understand that and realize that and you start to get comfortable with it because even though my mind doesn't understand, I'm still comfortable with the things of God. Now you're becoming learned about the things of God. All right, so keep on going. What is the outcome then? I will pray with the Spirit. I'll pray with the Spirit. But I'll pray with the mind also. In other words, I'm not just going to pray with the Spirit only, but I am going to pray with the Spirit. I'm not going to forbid to pray in the Spirit. I'm going to pray in the Spirit. He says, I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the mind also. Is it possible that during worship people could be singing and singing in the Spirit? Are we supposed to stop that? Are we supposed to quiet them down and shut them up? No. They're giving thanks well. Do you understand it? No. Think about this. Let's say that you walked into a church and everybody spoke Greek. And you walked in and they all spoke Greek and they were all worshiping in Greek. Would you get mad because they were speaking in their language? Why? Because you walked into their church. Right? You would expect that they're going to speak the language that is natural to them. When we start to learn about praying in tongues, we can actually get to the point where praying in tongues is more natural than even speaking in English. And it, we shouldn't walk into a place who has become more fluent in tongues than they have been in, in the flesh. I'd rather my spirit pray than my mind. I've learned the strength of it. And so somebody doesn't need to come in and say, oh, he's singing in the Spirit. See, that's, that's pride that would get upset at that because it's outside of that comfort zone. We have to watch that. And this is what it's saying. He's saying, look, you pray in the Spirit and you sing in the Spirit and you pray with your mind and you sing with your mind. I can tell you most of the time when I'm singing, I'm not singing the words that are up on that screen. I'm singing in the Spirit. Almost every time. Why? Because when I sing in the Spirit, I give thanks well. That's the best way. That's the most honoring way for me to give thanks to my God. Because I take my corrupted mind out of the equation. And so now I'm learning a language, even though my mind may be unfruitful, I'm learning the flows and the ways of it. Can you see that? Anybody getting anything out of this? Yeah. All right. He says, otherwise, if you bless in the Spirit only, how will the one who fills the place of the ungifted say the amen at the giving of thanks, since he does not know what you are saying? All right. Look here. Otherwise, if you bless in the Spirit only, how will the one who fills the place of the ungifted say the amen at your giving of thanks since he does not know what you are saying. What is he saying? He's saying when you get to the place where you have people who aren't mature in the ways of the Spirit, then you be mindful and love on them that they're there. But we should be 
be the kind of people that don't stay ungifted. We desire the giftings and we covet the best gifts, right? We're not supposed to believe God that we will stay ungifted. We're supposed to raise to another level where we understand that we're speaking out the things of God. He's talking about when you come into a place that has a mixture of gifted and ungifted. Can you see that? But every one of us, even if we're ungifted, should be rising to the level of being more gifted. Otherwise, we're taking what Christ has done for us and putting it down. So remember when I said, if we were learned, right? If we were learned in the things of God, I've learned that I do better when I pray in the Spirit and sing in the Spirit. So the only person that I need to be concerned with is a person who doesn't know that. And there's sometimes where we come in that. So in other words, if I'm standing beside somebody and I know that they are filled with the Spirit and they understand the things of God, then I'm good. I'm clear to pray in the Spirit. They know what I'm doing. They know what I'm doing. I know what they're doing. And we can go to another level because we're taking our corrupted mind out of it. And we can move to a higher level in the Spirit. But if somebody's standing beside me and I don't know who they are, I'm not going to be like I did with Rachel earlier, shouting what sounds like barbarous talk in their, in their ear. I'm going to put love on, and if I'm going to pray in the Spirit, personally, my, my way of doing it is if I'm praying in the Spirit, I'm going to lower my volume till they can't tell what I'm saying, but I'm still going to pray in the Spirit. Why? Because praying in the Spirit is another level. It's the perfect way of giving thanks and praise. It's the perfect way of praying. I've already established that. So why would I drop my level to a, a lower level instead of raising it? So in other words, what I'm, what I'm saying is that there's places in the Scripture and there's more that I can show you and you can see. You'll start to see this in Scripture where we as a body are supposed to continuously raise the level and it's not, um, it's not that we don't want to be unmindful of other people, but at the same time our job is not to come down to the level of the world. Our job is to draw the world up to the level of Christ. That's Ephesians 4, that we bring, we build and grow to the fullness of the stature of Christ, not drop ourselves down to the level of the world, of the ungifted. It's to draw up to the gift. We're not doing the world any, anything by moving down to an ungifted state. We're doing a good thing by moving up to a gifted state. What does that mean? That means that we grow in our ability to pray in the Spirit and operate in the Spirit and give thanks in the Spirit and worship in the Spirit. And when we're all together and it's just us, we can go to levels that we can't go to when we have a mixture of the world and us. If we go and we have a meeting out on the street, we're probably not going to be able to go to the same levels that we should be able to go to in here. It's just the way it is. But we're not out there to go to that realm of glory out there on the street. We're out there to win them to the Lord, invite them in, and then give them a hand up to raise to new levels in the Spirit in here. To train them, to grow them, to help them touch the things of God like He wants us to touch. You seeing that? 
For you are giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not edified. So another thing that we can do is we can pray in the Spirit. And then all of a sudden, what we can do is when we're at the end, we can say, Amen! And guess what? They now know when to say Amen. We handled that. It's not the only part of it, but it's just, it's a part. He says, I thank God... I speak in tongues more than you all. More than you all. More than the whole church. Paul says, I pray in tongues more than all of you. That's a whole lot of praying in tongues, y'all. That's a bunch. And he says, I do it more than you all. But he says next, he says, however, in the church or in the public place, I desire to speak five words with my mind so that I may instruct others also rather than 10,000 words in a tongue. In other words, when I get up here to preach, I'm not, I recognize that we can go to different places as a group and grow in the Spirit. And we can all pray in the Spirit at one time. I'm going to show you some of that. But at the same time, my job is to communicate. If I just sat up here for the past hour and all I did was pray in the tongues, how many people, you'd all be edified, you'd all be built up, but how many people would walk away with something that they could employ? Nobody, really. You'd have to get your own revelation while you're at the house, right? It might be imparted to you. You, you might have it imparted to you, but you wouldn't walk out the door with that revelation, so I do a better job. This is what I do. I pray a whole lot in the Spirit before this ever happens so that when I get up here, I can speak out the revelation and the interpretation uh, so that I don't have to pray in the Spirit. I'm already filled, filled with it. But at the same time, I'm not afraid if it's just us and we're going to another level. I'm not afraid to go to tongues and let's all move to a higher place. Okay. He said... Brethren, don't be children in your thinking, yet in evil be infants, but in your thinking be mature. In the law it is written, now listen to this, By men of strange tongues and by the lips of strangers I will speak to this people. And even so they will not listen to me. Now, did you hear what it just said? It said, I will speak to people that don't even know me by men of strange tongues. So if I quiet tongues altogether, how is that prophecy going to be true? It's meant to be said. There's tongues that are meant to come out. And sometimes I've seen tongues, where, and I've heard of tongues, where let's say that somebody in here speaks Greek, and I speak in tongues. I don't know I'm speaking Greek, but Greek is what comes out. And they hear. There was one story I heard of with uh, Ted Shuttlesworth Sr. And he said uh, there was a sailor that came into a meeting. And he, I think he was Greek. And he spoke, let's say it was Greek. He spoke Greek. A lady got up in the service and started praying in tongues. She had no idea what she was saying. The sailor in Greek heard his name, God, through those tongues, called his name and told him to give his life to Christ. Wow. Now, here's the other thing. And this is, this is a whole other side of it. Did everybody else know what the interpretation was? Did they stop and go, okay, lady, interpret that? 
No. But did interpretation happen? Yes. Yes. You you see, we've taken things and gotten really legalistic. Well, now, and we're in a whole nother society now. Let's say I pray in tongues, and you've already told me that I've said, like, words that are close to an African dialect. What word? What language? Swahili. So I've said some words in an African dialect. I didn't know what I was saying, right? But here's the thing. Who's watching that video? Who's to say it's not going to be... And who's to say that it's got to be watched live? See, we've limited God. I could say something in this service in a dialect that none of us understand, not have the interpretation for it, and yet 20 years from now, somebody can watch a video in their own dialect. I call their name and tell them about the glorious things that God's done. And now, interpretation has still happened. So we have to watch limiting what God wants to do. And that word was for that person, not the whole group. It was to edify that one person. So can you see we're taking off some of these ceilings? All right, amen. (laughs) Glory to God. Hallelujah. So then, verse 22, so then tongues are for a sign. Again, tongues are for a sign. We're supposed to be walking in tongues because they're for a sign. Not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophecy is for a sign, not to unbelievers, but to those who believe. Do you know how many people have questioned and tripped all over these verses for years and years and years? Man, you just pray in the Holy Spirit, He'll give you revelation, all of a sudden this stuff just unravels. Y'all are seeing it probably clearer than you ever have. Glory to God. Therefore, if the whole church assembles together and all speak in tongues and ungifted men or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are mad? (laughs) Ungifted men or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are mad? But what is that saying? It's saying that if ungifted men or unbelievers don't enter, we can have a service that doesn't have to have that. Can you see? It's not, it's one where we rise to another level because we understand spiritually what's going on, but it's still good to have revelation. Generally, what happens is interpretation comes, it just doesn't come by somebody saying, thus saith the Lord. It comes by a word that's given later, or a revelation, or a teaching that's given later. We understand interpretation's coming, we don't have to have you announce it. That's another level of spiritual maturity. You don't have to tell me that. Okay. He says, But if all prophesy, and an unbeliever and ungifted man enters, he is convicted by all, and he is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so he will fall on his face and worship God, declaring that God is certainly among you. That's exactly what happened to that sailor. The only difference is they had it in tongues. He got the interpretation personally in that moment and heard it that way. So whether we prophesy or we have the gift of tongues and interpretation, they equate to the same thing. And then all of a sudden, unbelievers and ungifted are called into account by God, and they know God's moving. And that's what it's for. 
part, part of the reason why it's for. What's the outcome then, brethren? When you assemble, each one has a psalm, has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification, to build people up. Let everything be done to build people up. But you can build them up with or without interpretation. Because their spirit is still edified even if their mind isn't. But let all things be done for edification. If anyone speaks in a tongue, it should be by two or the most three, and each in turn, and one must interpret. Now a lot of times we've taken that verse and we've said there can only be two or three words in tongues and interpretations. But that's not what it says, and in context you'll see that it's, that's not what it says. It says this, it says, But if there's no interpreter, he must keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. In other words, keep the volume down, but he can still speak to himself and to God. He has the right to do that. Every believer has the right to speak to himself and to God. Again, if all I'm doing is just being loud to the person next to him, that's not considering them in love. But I still have a right to praise God all by myself and to speak to myself in tongues and to speak to God in tongues. I still have a right to do that. I just don't announce my tongues to the whole church. But then he says this, he says, verse 29, let two or three prophets speak and let the others pass judgment. So see, he didn't say two or three prophecies. He said two or three prophets. There could be five, six, seven prophecies. There could be five, six, seven words in tongues. He's just saying let two or three people speak in tongues. But if revelation is made to another who is seated, the first one must Keep silent. For you all can prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all may be exhorted. And the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. So when somebody gets up and they're like, and they shout out in tongues and they say, oh, I just couldn't help myself. <laughs> Liar. No, that's not true. You can control yourself and you can control it. The spirit may have pressed on you hard, but you can still control it. For the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets, for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Then it talks about women in the church, and I'm not talking about that, but um, I will. I don't mind it. it. It's actually pretty simple in here. But women can preach and teach and do everything else that men can do, and that's actually what this is saying. He's actually mocking them with that statement right there. It's, he's not making a statement. He's mocking them. And then he says this. He says, oh, verse 36, was it from you that the word of God went forth, first uh, went forth, or has it come to you only? In other words, you're the only one who can ask. The, this whole book was a question. He was answering questions that they sent to Paul. He was answering another part of the question in here in the middle of that. If anyone thinks that he is a prophet or spiritual, let him recognize the things which I write to you are the Lord's commandment. But if anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. Therefore, my brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak in tongues. But all things must be done properly and in an orderly manner. Properly and in an orderly manner. Properly and in an orderly manner. 
So I want to answer that question quickly. What's properly and in an orderly manner? And then when I finish that, I will have given you this whole teaching and we don't have to do another session on it. But before I do that, let me give you this. The public gift versus the prayer language according to what we just read. Public gift needs interpretation. Interpretation can be words, revelation, knowledge, prophecy, or teaching. The prayer language does not need interpretation. And he proves that when he says there's groanings that are too deep for words. If they're too deep for words, how are you going to give an interpretation on it? Words won't go that deep on some, some things. So the prayer language speaks to God. The public gift speaks to men. The prayer language speaks mysteries. The public gift speaks to edify people, to build up, it builds up, it encourages, it comforts. The prayer language builds yourself up, but the public gift builds up the church. The prayer language can be had by all, but the public gift is a gift from the Holy Spirit to certain people only. But you can pray, even if you don't have the public gift of tongues, you can pray and ask and desire it from God, and he'll, I believe He'll give it to you. So if you want it, ask for it. Prayer language is you will when you can. Remember Paul said, I will pray in the Spirit, and I will pray with understanding. He desired and he willed. Remember when he told Timothy, stir up the gift? Who has the right to choose when they can stir it up and when they can pray? The individual can. So the prayer language, you can decide to do it at any time. But the public gift is, as the Holy Spirit wills, we obey. The prayer language can be worship and giving of thanks. And the public gift can be given by two or three people, but you can have more than two or three words. So that's just kind of a summary of all of that. Now, last thing. What is properly and in order? Because he says, let all things be done decently and in order. So what's decently and in order? Let me ask you this. Who defines decent? And who defines in order? But when we argue over that, who's defining it? Man. We, what are we doing? We're taking our comfort zone and we're defining order by what's within our comfort zone. Well, is it possible that there's some stuff about God that you don't know? Yeah. So is it possible that our definition of decent and in order can get blown out of the water? Mine has, multiple times. A lot, of, a lot of times, decently and in order, as soon as laughter or joy comes on somebody, that blows their decent and in order out of the water, and they, they can't take it anymore. That, oh, that's, that's out of order. Says who? Because I'm pretty sure God's the one who gave it, so that something could break free in strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. God's more interested in that person getting free than he is you having a religious decently in order according to your corrupted mind. Now let me give you some examples of this. So in 2 Chronicles chapter 5 and verse 13, 
It's also in 1 Kings chapter 8, I think, verse 11. It says, In unison, when the trumpeteers and the singers were to make themselves heard with one voice to praise and glorify the Lord, and when they lifted up their voice accompanied by trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music, when they praised the Lord, saying, He is indeed, He indeed is good, for His loving kindness is everlasting. Then the house, the house of the Lord, was filled with a cloud so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. That's God's decent and order. And what did it look like? It looked like this. Ain't nobody talking because nobody can talk. They're all laid out. The ministers could not minister. That's what decently and in order look like in the Bible. Well, that just looks unholy to your mind, but not to the mind of God. That looks like submission and humility to the mind of God. But that was decent and in order. Acts chapter 2. Pentecost comes. When they were at the day of Pentecost, they were all together in one place. Suddenly there came an, uh, from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire distributing themselves. And they rested on each one of them. How many people were in the upper room? 120. Awesome. 120. And on each one of them set a tongue of fire. And they were... How many? All filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. How many began to speak? All. all. And by context, it looks like all at the same time. It looks like in one motion, boom, they're all filled and they're all talking in tongues. Is that decent and in order? To God, yes. To our mind? Yeah. Maybe. But what if God swoops in here, loud noise, and all of a sudden all of us are... Right? Would that look decent in order to us? To our mind, probably not. But to our spirit and to the God who is a spirit, yes. So see, is it possible that God wants us all praying in tongues at the same time? I'd say Yes, it is possible. But that's out of order. To who? To who? All right, so then he says this. They were all filled. Notice that when they're filled with the Holy Spirit, what's the sign of that believer? They all spoke in tongues. That was the sign of them being filled. And it was a sign that they were ones who believed, like in Mark 16. And these signs will follow those that believe. They will speak with other tongues. As the Spirit was giving them utterance, and now there were Jews living, and you'll notice that that's not just the gift there. When you're praying in your personal language, He will give you utterance there too. It's utterance there. It's just I'm, desi I'm desiring to 
pull on him. It's kind of like a, a spigot over my head filled with living water. At any time I can turn on that spigot and it will flow in my personal language. But the public gift is one I can reach up and I can try and turn it on all day long. But that doesn't mean something's going to come out. Because that's as the, as the Spirit wills a word to be spoken in tongue. But in the prayer language, I can do it at any time. Like Paul said, I will speak in tongues. He decided, I will do this and I will sing in the Spirit as well. He says, now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. How many nations is that? Every, every. every nation, right? And when the sound occurred, the crowd came together and were bewildered, 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 because I added an R there because it needed to be there. Because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. So every nation under heaven was hearing them speak in their own language. Now, and they were amazed and astonished, saying, why are not all these speaking Galileans? They were astonished because all these languages were coming out of these guys. They were astonished. And how is it that we hear them in our own language to which we were born? Now he goes through these, and I want to just tell you, I don't know how many all nations were, except to say that it's all, but I know right here they list at least 16 different people groups. There's at least 16. Now let's say, now, and just watch this. He says, we hear them in our own tongue speaking of the mighty deeds of God, and they continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, what does this mean? Now don't you think that those disciples that got filled with the Spirit and were praying in other tongues, don't you think that they might have thought, people are going to think I'm crazy. But don't you also think that this was a sign to the world that they were believers but it took some boldness to say it because the spirit of a prophet is subject to a prophet to say stuff that didn't make sense in their mind. Not to mention, is this the first mention we have of praying in tongues where it happened? Yes. This is the first mention. The first mention sets up rules. There's, a, there's a, a law of first mentions which says the first time you see it in the Word, it really establishes some of the order of it. And the first mention of praying in tongues, what's the order? You've got at least 16 different languages being spoken at the same time and everybody hearing their own language being preached. Now let me just say this. Just take this section here. Let's say you speak Spanish you speak Russian, you speak English, you speak Italian, and you got 16 different languages, and now all of y'all talk at the same time. What is that going to sound like to our brain? Confusion. It's going to sound crazy. So what's decent and what's in order? See, at the very least, I'm causing you to think outside the box on some of these things. And what we think we know, we need to give back to the Lord and say what's real and what isn't. And in the Word, we'll start to find some of those answers. He goes on. Now, I want you to notice, and this is important, do we trust God or not? Were there people that saw those 16, at least 16 different languages that went, whoa, because he says they're all speaking in our own language. And then it says, once they, they said, we hear them in our own tongues speaking of the mighty deeds of God. 
And they continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, What does this mean? In other words, they're going, Wow! What's going on? This is awesome! But that wasn't the only group. There was another group there that said, But others were mocking, saying, They're full of sweet wine. Then Peter stood up and he talked about this was going to happen, pouring out the own spirit. So in other words, you have two different types of people that will interpret the same situation. One who goes to God as a child and says, wow, what does this mean? And another group that says, they are full of wine. They're drunk. What, what a joke. They'll mock it. They won't honor because it's outside of what they think is decent and in order. Instead of saying, Lord, what's decent and order? They'll determine by their own corrupted knowledge what they think is decent and in order and start to apply that in their own thinking. In other words, they're using worldly thinking to try and interpret spiritual, godly, heavenly, spiritual things. Instead of humbling themselves, they can either be in pride and mock or they can humble themselves and ask, Lord, what do you want to do? And we still see the same uh, attitude today. And the majority of the world has taken up the mockery stance, but people who are mature and understand and would be born again and move in the things of God say, Lord, what's decent and in order to you? Acts chapter 4, 29, verse 31 they were prayed, and when the place, he says, 29, And now, Lord, take note of their threats, and grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence, while you extend your hand to heal, and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. They were filled and they spoke. Now it doesn't say tongues here, but we know from the law of first mention and other places that tongues was a sign of those that believe. Was this tongues? Probably so. Can we say that in absolute terms? No, but it's probably what it is. But here's what happened at the very least. They were filled and they spoke. They were filled and they, somebody had something to hear about that. Boldness and confidence came on them and there was a boldness and a confidence that was that sign. Acts 8, 12 through 18. It says when they started to feel, he said there was good news being preached. The apostles came, they laid hands on them they, so that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Verse 16, for he had not fallen upon any of them yet. They had been baptized. They had been baptized up in verse 13. But when they began laying their hands on them, they were receiving the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was bestowed by the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money. What did he see? I don't know. But something got his attention enough so that he said, take my money. <laughs> take my money. What's the meme today? Shut up and take my money. That's what he was doing. Something got his attention enough after they were filled with the Holy Spirit where he wanted to buy it. He was wrong for doing that, but Acts chapter 9, Ananias departed and entered the house and after laying his hands on him, remember when I said 
the, the gift that was put in you by the laying on of hands? Are we seeing how every time where there's a laying on of hands, there's the filling of the Holy Spirit? And what is the sign of the filling of the Holy Spirit? It's the speaking in tongues, right? And so here again, he laid his hands on him. And he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road which you are coming is sent that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately the power fell and he got up and was baptized. He could see again. Acts chapter 10. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit. Now this time he didn't lay hands on him. He was just speaking and the Holy Spirit fell on him. Boom, like that. So do you always have to have hands laid on you to receive the Holy Spirit? No, he was just speaking. Holy Spirit falls upon those who are listening to the message. All the circumcised believers who came with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they were here. What was the sign? What proved that they were filled with the Holy Spirit? Verse 46, for they were hearing them speaking with tongues and exalting God. When you're filled with the Spirit, what will flow out of your heart is tongues and exalting God. You will start to exalt God and praise Him. Then Peter answered, Surely no one can refuse the water for these to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did, can he? And he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And they asked him to stay on for a few days. And then the last is Acts chapter 19. And it says in verse 1, It happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the upper country and came to Ephesus and found some disciples. He said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, No, we have not even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, Into what then were you baptized? And they said, In John's baptism. Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in him who was coming after him, that is, in Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they, became, uh, they began speaking with tongues and prophesying. There were in all about 12 men. You notice in every one of these places where they laid hands on them, did only certain ones of them start speaking in tongues? All of them. Everyone that the Holy Spirit fell on, they all started speaking in tongues. So the gift of, of speaking in tongues or the personal prayer language is for everybody that will believe in Christ and be filled with the Holy Spirit. But the gift, the public gift of tongues is given to a few. Not everybody's gifted with that. And they perform different functions. Amen? Good. Did you learn something? Is there any questions? Anybody feel like they're on overload? Maybe a little. little. You've got to take it and meditate on it. You can go and get those scriptures. And if you have any questions afterwards, just let me know. You know, just, just let me know. I'd, I'd love to hear them. You'd know, love to go over them some more. But I've given you more than anybody's ever given me outside of the Holy Ghost. I've never heard it with that much detail. But there's a lot of stuff that people argue over, and that solves most of them right there. Amen. Amen.